Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's July 24th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays around the league. NFL training camps are opening We also have plenty of contract news, or I guess I should say holdouts, hold-ins, all sorts of new terminology here for players and representation and moving forward into training camp. So we'll, of course, dive into all of that. We'll also discuss the Arizona Diamondbacks' rough weekend in Cincinnati, where things are at across the NL West and across Major League Baseball with just over a week before the trade deadline. Let's get into the poll questions, though, and we'll set the scene with today's poll question, starting with the KDOS1060.com poll question regarding the Arizona Diamondbacks. Should the D-backs be less aggressive before the August 1st trade deadline because of the 2-7 and seven road trip? Right now, Bob, we are in a yes and no split between 50-50. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I've been thinking about this for you know a while, even before the road trip, quite frankly. And how aggressive should they be if they do anything before the deadline, etc. cetera. Uh, and then you know, ESPN yesterday uh, during the Baseball Tonight show, uh, they brought this whole topic up even further. So hence we slammed it into a poll question rather quickly at that point. But they've now lost uh, – they're 4-12 they're and, uh, and 12 in their last 16 games. And it's not like they were playing great before the All-Star break. Needless to say – this nine-game road trip after the break we knew it was going to be difficult at Toronto, at Atlanta, and at Cincinnati. They won two of those games, as I talked about in the last hour during the sports. Um, you can kind of take your pick as to what was worse, uh, the base running, the relief pitching, or the offense. Uh, you know, all three were really uh, you know, not acceptable, uh, especially the base running. I mean, it's just you know, mindless plays. That those you know we had you know, a couple of those the very first game of the of the road trip at Toronto there were two more yesterday from veteran players uh, Cattell Marte and Christian Walker who should know better just ran out they ran themselves into outs uh, during that game yesterday which turned out to be a, you know a close game at Cincinnati and uh, that those are the kind of things that get you beat in a close game it's not like the Diamondbacks have. You know the the greatest offense. They don't have the Braves' offense. They just can't kind of over you know overcome. You know, there's less margin for error if you don't have uh, an offense that is scoring runs at a high level. And with the exception of a couple of games last week, the Diamondbacks really through the month of July, their offense has gone silent. Uh, so you can make a case for all three of those things I brought up. But that uh, you cannot be running yourself out of innings when you can't score runs and you're not scoring runs at that time anyway. 
It's funny you mentioned that because it was the Braves series and uh, specifically, you know, Corbin Carroll with his base running, a couple of other players with base running, running um, plays. And I had brought up to you that I was like, this is how they're winning games because they're putting so much pressure on opposing defenses. They're, you know, maybe something that would be a single. They've been able to translate that into now runners in scoring position. And they've been really effective in kind of taking advantage of the rule changes, if you will. And obviously that wasn't the case, though, in that red series. Yeah, well, I actually think that's been going on in the month of July. I mean, they're, they're you know, base-stealing numbers around baseball. Uh, they've been down. I think the teams have kind of figured out a better – you know, they're still not great. I mean, it's, you know, the way that the rules are now, it's going to be harder for teams to prevent teams, uh, their opponents, from stealing bases. But, yeah, it's it, certainly the numbers are down, I wouldn't say considerably, but the, the early season success was just astronomical – in Major League Baseball in general, as far as stealing bases, the Diamondback, Carroll's been part of the, you know, on the road trip here, he ran himself into an out uh, with just mindless base running. And they can't, they're not good enough to you know, overcome stupid, low baseball IQ mistakes to win games. We'll get into a little bit more about uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks weekend in the NL West here in just a moment, but want to set the scene with the Twitter poll question, which can be found at KDOS AM 1060. Will the New York Giants regret not signing Saquon Barkley to a long-term contract? Question posed to Eric Edholm with NFL Media in the 9 o'clock hour. If you missed that interview, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Right now, the masses are on the yes side of things at 57.9 percent of the vote no trailing at 42.1 percent yeah they did offer him as eric pointed out in the last hour they did offer him a contract extension obviously he thought he deserved more money i wonder if he still thinks that now uh but they did offer him early in the off season or you know i think might have even been towards the end of last season. But within the last calendar year, they did offer him a contract extension, and he turned it down. Uh, but it's just uh, th- this could get ugly. Um, and I'm not exactly sure. I can't – for a running back, I mean, we had the Emmett Smith holdout way long ago. And, you know, the, the, the Cowboys lost their first two games that season after they would won the Super Bowl the year before. He comes back, and they were 0-2 and two when, he, when he was out. And they came back, and he was great immediately, and then they went on and won another Super Bowl. Uh, but I just don't think there's too many times that uh, a running back, uh, I think it's easier for offensive linemen or you know, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, defensive linemen, to hold out and you know, come back and be effective quicker. Uh, I can't imagine a running back can sit out the you know, training camp, preseason games, and pretty much everything and be effective immediately to start the season. And the Giants are you know, kind of like the Diamondbacks. They're not great. Uh, they need everything to go their way. A lot of it went their way for much of the regular season last year. But there, there's little margin for error regarding the Giants. And if Barkley's not there, you know, I know they signed James Robinson, who was still on the street. Uh, to a contract over the weekend. I don't know if that's like Barkley Insurance or whatever, but that's a huge drop-off. Even if Robinson is playing his, like he did in his best when he was in Jacksonville, uh, that, that's just a, just an unbelievably you know, low you know, 
you know, try, that's a low way to try to upgrade the running back situation if you're not counting on Barkley to start the season. Your calls today, 1030 and 1115, the number 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in about the poll questions, NFL training camps, Diamondbacks, etc., we'll take your phone calls, 602-260-1060, around 1030 and 1115. Let's get into the Arizona Diamondbacks, who did have a rough weekend in Cincinnati. Friday, it was a 9-6 to loss. Tommy Henry, four and a third innings pitched, four hits, four runs, four walks, two strikeouts. Marte had a good game at the plate, with two home runs and a triple. Saturday, it was a 4-2 to loss to the Reds. Brandon Fott was called up. He went six innings, four hits, three runs, six strikeouts, and three home runs. And it was the bottom of the sixth that put the Reds on top with back-to-back home runs for them. And on Sunday, it was a 7-3 to loss to the Reds. And it was a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. Uh, you had Jose Ruiz, one and two-thirds innings pitch, five hits, three runs, one strikeout, two home runs. Also just kind of monitoring Miguel Castro here of late uh he had he had some more struggles one inning three hits two runs and one walk yeah and actually back to saturday uh, fought gave up back to back to back home runs after he retired 16 straight guys he threw his fastball less in this start which i think is a good idea because his fastball has gotten killed but ironically the three home runs he gave up in that sixth inning were all off of fastballs and I just kind of wonder what's going on with the pitch selection there. And Tori Lavello has actually been critical of the Diamondbacks' pitch selection and you know, some of their you know, losses during that road trip. And uh, that just kind of, uh, you know, you know, what's going on there? You know, Carson Kelly was catching yesterday. Yeah, Marino went on the injured list with a shoulder injury, which apparently has been a you know, left shoulder injury, yes. which has been plaguing him for some time. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, Kelly actually. I don't think anybody is going to argue. Well, maybe people will argue. If I'm a starting pitcher and, you know, Diamondbacks starting pitchers seem to prefer pitching to Kelly. Now, maybe that's just they're more familiar with him because they've pitched to him in past years. But clearly there seems to be less confusion uh, when he is the catcher. Uh, so uh, well, as far as, uh, you know, pitch calling and so forth. And you know, once again, I'm going to keep harping on this, and it's easier to harp on this now that the Diamondbacks don't have a you know a lead in the National League West, and now they're barely hanging on for the final wild card spot. They have no margin for error, and things like that, and pitch selection, and you know who's you know in in charge of pitch selection, etc. Those are a far Bigger deal when you have a team that is you know, fighting to win games now as opposed to when they're winning with better offense earlier in the season. This question, I mean, maybe it can be posed with this specific to this three-game series. Maybe it's the entire road trip here. I don't know how you want to dissect it, but how do you make how do, do you make heads or tails of what's going on with the Diamondbacks as it's just purely the pitching situation catching up to them? Is it maybe a little bit fatigue about the the long road trip here? And do we now have more questions than we have answers? I can't go with the fatigue thing because they started the road trip horribly, and they had a whole week off before the road trip. Uh, you know, they did the, they had the three bonehead uh, base running decisions the first game of the road trip at Toronto, and those can uh, those you know just bonehead stupid I you know baseball IQ quest- questions and bad decisions continued. Yeah, you know, 
I never quite have bought into the Diamondbacks all year long. I uh, thought that they'd be okay. I didn't really even think they'd be over 500 uh, before the season started. They've certainly surpassed those expectations. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the, as I mentioned uh, in, the, uh, in the pipeline of the sports zone, you know, the three, and I just mentioned it a couple minutes ago, but I think it bears repeating that this just wasn't, wasn't just a, you know, we've seen the bullpen suck for most of the year. I don't know if we've seen them basically be ineffective for eight out of nine games, uh, which is what they were on this road trip. And only in one of the games they wanted in Atlanta were they effective. That first game in Atlanta, you know, that was a, you know, a disaster. But that was actually the one inning where they were pretty good because Genkel got a, you know, struck out the side uh, to win the uh, home run derby game that started that series uh, in uh, game one of that particular series. But between the base running, the lack of offense and the bad bullpen, uh, they've got no chance uh, to win games if they don't fix all of that stuff. I'm not just one of those things. They got to fix them all, or they're going to be looking up at the uh, you know, contenders in the wild card pretty quickly here. The good news is they play St. Louis the next three games, and they're a complete disaster. Yeah, you know, they lost three. You know, they won the game on. They played a four-game series at Wrigley. They won on Thursday night. They got swept. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, they're limping in here. They're obviously going to make a lot of moves before the trade deadline a week from tomorrow. Uh, so they need to win these games against St. Louis because they're bad. So what does this mean in terms of how things are going in the NL West? The Dodgers have had a pivotal series with the Rangers. Also, the Giants were taking on the Nationals. We'll get into the NL West recap from the weekend and where things stand on the other side of the break. Plus, we'll break down uh, who's in action. All three teams are actually in action today. So we'll get into all of that on the other side of the break. Plus, more Major League Baseball from around the league. Uh, There were some... Key games going on in the AL East. There's some key games going on starting today. So we'll dive into all of that here on Extra Point KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Much more coming up next. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. It's Monday. It's July 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Feel free to download the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports now through the rest of the month of July are putting up a $100 gift certificate. Uh, So you just have to download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the listener rewards uh, to get yourself eligible for that. 
that $100 gift certificate. Continuing our Major League Baseball conversation as we talked about how the Diamondbacks were swept by the Reds over the weekend. So how does everything else stack up in the NL West? Well, for the Dodgers, they had a pivotal series against the Rangers. It included an 11-5 win for the Dodgers on Friday with Tony Gonsolin on the mound. Five innings, two hits, four runs, three walks, six strikeouts, and one home run. Saturday, it was a 16-3 win for the Dodgers. Bobby Miller, six innings, seven hits, three runs, six strikeouts, and one home run. And then Sunday, it was an 8-4 win by the Rangers as Emmett Sheehan was uh, hit hard. Three and two-thirds, eight hits, eight runs, five walks, and four strikeouts. Yeah, I assume Sheehan's made his last start for the Major League team for a while. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe back in AAA as early as today. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but the Dodgers got to be thrilled. Uh, you know, all three teams from the National League West you know, had nine-game road trips to begin the post-All-Star break schedule. And the Dodgers won two out of three at uh, New York against the Mets. They won two out of three against the Orioles in Baltimore. The Orioles were sailing along. Uh, before the Dodgers won the first couple of games of that particular series. And then the Dodgers, once again, at the first place, Rangers win two out of three. So they've uh, they got to be overwhelmed the way things worked for them and you know, still don't have their you know, starting rotation anywhere near intact because of injury, etc. cetera. So uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, even though they lost that last game, um, it was, um, I would assume, a very happy flight home to Los Angeles last night. Yeah, so just the way that the Dodgers went about this road trip here, does this tell you anything about where the Dodgers are? Because as you mentioned, they still don't have the starting rotation in place yet. Last I saw, Clayton Kershaw is set to throw another bullpen session today before he eventually starts facing hitters once again. But the anticipation of getting Kershaw back and maybe just uh, kind of the team rounding into form, uh, you know, how do you take away this road trip for the Dodgers and where they're at in the NL West it really doesn't change what I thought about them I, there's not been one moment this season that I didn't think they were not going to win the National League West and I can't imagine unless there's just some kind of incredible shocking uh, nosedive that that's going to change uh, very curious to see what they do before the trade deadline they're certainly in on the Lucas, uh, Lucas Giolito sweepstakes so to speak he's actually from Los Angeles so, uh, you know, I don't know if they, uh, you know, considering they're supposedly saving money next year for Otani, I don't know if they would uh, be interested in assigning Giolito to a long-term contract, but obviously, you know, he's not going to be with the, uh, with the White Sox after next week. Uh, when it came to the Giants, they probably thought they had a pretty good chance facing the Nationals, but it didn't go well for them. It was a 5-3 to three loss to the Nationals. Alex Wood, four innings pitch, five hits, five runs, two walks, one strikeout, and two home runs. Saturday, it was a 10-1 to one loss, and it was Logan Webb on the mound who only yeah. went one and one-third, five hits, six runs, one walk, two strikeouts, and one home run. And Sunday, it was a 6-1 to one loss in a bullpen game. They're making up a contest from... April 16th against the Tigers right now as we speak and the Tigers are winning one nothing in the bottom of the first yeah, uh, yeah the Saturday game was a shocker I mean Webb's been tremendous uh, yeah he started slowly to begin the season but uh, he's been a true ace and not getting out of the second game second inning against the Nationals uh, was very surprising 
Uh, it's also very surprising that uh, the Giants, who actually had the best record in baseball in their previous 25 road games, uh, got swept at Washington. The Nationals had not swept a series home or away against any team the last two seasons, but they swept the Giants over the weekend. Oh, gosh, it spans over two seasons? Yeah, that's correct. That's not good. Uh, so when it comes to the NOS here, we've been talking about the Dodgers being out in front 57 and 41, the Diamondbacks 54 and 46, Giants 54 and 46, both uh, four games back of the Dodgers. Just mentioned how the Giants are playing a makeup game against the Tigers right now. As for the Diamondbacks, they're facing the St. Louis Cardinals in town. Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals, three and four, 7.66 ERA, 28 strikeouts. And the last I saw this morning, the Diamondbacks backs had yet to name their starting pitcher yeah it looks like it's a second straight bullpen game and Wainwright still has to be activated from the injured list he's not officially on their roster right now and uh because of the uh, questionable starting pitching situation the last I looked uh Oh, a couple hours ago, I couldn't even find a line for this game tonight because of the lack of a starting pitchers being declared officially. And then the Dodgers are starting a series against the Blue Jays. Jose Barrios uh, going for the Jays, 8-7, and 3.99 ERA, 114 strikeouts. Michael Grove, 2-2, two and two, 6.40 ERA, 47 strikeouts for L.A. Grove's been pretty good here lately in his last couple of starts, at least. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn there. But he's shown some signs in some of his most recent starts is probably the better way to put that. Uh, after he looked like he was totally overmatched and shouldn't even be in the major leagues, and they rushed him up to the major leagues because he's a top pros- one of their top prospects. Uh, but he's uh, shown some- – I can understand the fascination with the uh, top prospect status now that I couldn't before – uh, Boreas, we'll see how this goes for him. Uh, he's had a very good season after last year's disastrous season. Uh, the Blue Jays, uh, you know, they're just happy that they don't play. Whenever they don't play National League East teams, the Blue Jays are really happy. Unfortunately, they're in the National League East, excuse me, the American League East, I should say, uh, and they, they don't win those games. Uh, I'm scrambling to look at the record here. Uh, I got it. I swear I have it here. I really do. Here it is. They are seven and twenty against the American League East this season. Ooh, seven and twenty. Okay. Uh, let's catch up around the uh, weekend of games, and I guess we'll stay right there with the American League East. The Orioles on top, 61 and 38. The Rays, 61 and 42. Two games back now. The Blue Jays, 55 and 45. Six and a half games back. The Yankees and the Red Sox both 53 and 47. Eight and a half games back. But of course, the big series of the weekend was the Orioles and the Rays, with the Orioles beating the Rays in three of the four games. We know about the Thursday or win in 10 innings Friday the Rays got the win and your guy Zach Eflin seven innings two hits no runs one walk eight strikeouts in the contest Saturday though it was an Orioles six to five win the Orioles did have a five run lead and then in the sixth the Rays started a rally in the sixth seventh and eighth but the Orioles were able to hold on and then Sunday the Orioles had a five to three win yeah, really big deal here for the Orioles uh, to win a series in Tampa. They've been horrible against Tampa. Uh, they've actually been horrible against a lot of teams, but the last two years now that the Orioles have gotten better, uh, they've kind of gotten over this Tampa hex type of thing that was uh, you know, destroying them in past years. In fact, uh, just a couple of years ago, they were 1-18 in, 
in the games against Tampa. Uh, but you know, they won a series at Tampa for the first time in many years. Uh, they leave uh, Tampa in first place with a two-game lead. They don't play any more games in Tampa the rest of the season. They only play Tampa one more series at all this year. That's in Baltimore. Uh, Tampa, we've talked about this to the end of, you know, for many times, uh, you know, unfortunately, but it's, never, it's not going to change unless they make some startling trade deadline additions. Their starting pitching is really run out, but uh, the thing that's especially surprising is that uh, the Tampa offense has been horrible. They have the fewest runs per game of any team in baseball in the month of July. This is after they entered July, leading all of baseball in many offensive categories. It's been an incredible, shocking decline, and I I try to avoid the word uh, shocking because I think it's one of the most overused words in the world, whether it's sports or something else. But this is shocking if you consider how good they were offensively before July the 1st. And now they are dead last 30th in runs per game in baseball in the month of July. How tempting is it now for the Orioles as they are uh, leading the AL East to make some moves of their own at the trade deadline? I mean, you've talked a lot about it with their starting rotation. It's statistically, you know, not the strongest starting rotation out there. They're finding ways to get wins, though. Uh, But going ahead and trying to make some moves to get an AL East win after it's been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, um, I think it, they have the ammunition to get pretty much whatever they want in the deadline. Uh, they have you know, many good prospects. Some of those guys are already in the major leagues, including you know, Gunnar Henderson, I guess, beyond the prospect thing now. You know, he got off to a terrible start when the season began the first couple of months. About the only thing I really ever noticed about Gunnar Henderson is he was uh, you know, color-coordinated. He always had the orange shoes and the orange uh, – you know, batting gloves uh, hanging out of each pocket when he was on base, and that's really the only time I meant I noticed Gunnar Henderson for like the first two months of the season. Now he's playing third base, shortstop, hitting home runs, including yesterday in this game against Tampa on a regular basis, and now I can completely understand the fascination of why he was a top prospect. The Orioles do play today, and they take on the Phillies. It's going to be Dean Kramer. It's 10-4, and 4, 4.80 ERA, 101 strikeouts going up against uh, Christopher Sanchez, 0-3, 3.06 ERA, 30 strikeouts for the Phillies. Uh, moving into the AL West, you have the Rangers sitting on top of that division, 59-41. and 41. The Astros at 56-44, three games back. The Angels, 51-49, and 49, eight games back. The Mariners, 50 and 49 and eight and a half games back and just throwing it out there. The A's are 28 and 74, 32 games back, but there's a big uh, divisional battle here with the Rangers at the Astros. John Gray, six and five, 3.31 ERA, 83 strikeouts. And Brandon Bilak, five and five, 3.46 ERA, 50 strikeouts. Yeah, and this is the next to last series this season between these teams. Uh, you know, very similar uh, to the uh, the Reds and the Brewers are beginning a series tonight in Milwaukee, and this is the last series that those teams are playing this year. So the uh, unfortunate thing, the the give or take, and a lot of people like the, uh, the the more balanced schedule and fewer division games. But uh, the, the 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 worst thing about that is that you know you got teams trying to uh, 
fight for positioning, and you like to see those teams play. And the NFL's done a really good job with the schedule. You know, trying to you, know, you have to project this ahead of time. Nobody has imagined the Brewers and the Reds. Really, the Brewers maybe, but the Reds were both going to be as that good. And you know, I don't think the same thing. I think the same thing happened with the Rangers. I doubt the schedule maker thought. Well, one of the things we want to try to do here is we want the uh, Astros and the Rangers to play as many games as possible in the month of September because uh, when's the last time the Rangers were any good? Uh, certainly they are this year. Uh, Houston, uh, I, you know, this is like the hundredth time I've said this, it looks like that Alvarez might be back like as soon as today. Um, so we'll see. Uh, they all obviously they still got to get a break. Uh, Altuve still supposed to come back, and I believe he started the rehab assignment. Michael Brantley hasn't played a game since last season, and uh, the Astros supposedly looking for outfielder an outfielder in the trade market. Maybe if Brantley could come back, that would be the equivalent of making a trade because that guy can hit. Uh, the AL Central, the Twins lead it 53 and 48, Guardians 49 and 53 games back, Tigers 45 and 54, seven games back. We'll get into the National League East and the National League Central on the other side of the break, but feel free to chime in. 602 260 1060 is the number. We'll take your phone calls now if you'd like to talk about the Diamondbacks. Of course, we're also going to get into some NFL in hour number two as well. 602 260 1060 is the number to join the conversation. We'll continue Major League Baseball conversation on the other side of the break. Make sure you're downloading that KDOS 1060 app. Register and follow along with how you could potentially be eligible for the $100 gift certificate put up by Superbook Sports. It's all happening here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with that KDOS 1060 app back after this. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Right here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Monday, July 24th, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. We'll get into some more uh, around Major League Baseball with the National League East and the National League Central here momentarily. But as promised, it's phone call time. 602-260-1060 is the number. Let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Matt in Phoenix, what's on your mind today, Matt? Kayla, Bob, how you guys doing? We're good. Good. I uh, did want to talk a little bit about the Diamondbacks. Obviously, a horrific weekend. Um, my answer to the question would to the poll to the poll question would be um, I would actually get more aggressive as a result of this weekend. I know that's maybe a little counterintuitive, um, but I think it obviously shows some significant holes that they need to fill. And and I personally think, um, considering the lack of quality in the National League, that if the Diamondbacks were to get in and Merrill Kelly specifically were to be healthy and they add to the bullpen, that that's the profile of a team that can do some damage in the playoffs. So as a result, um, I would be very aggressive in the bullpen market 
and obviously trying to acquire another starting pitcher. What are your thoughts on, on all of that? I don't disagree with that idea. I just don't know how aggressive that they should be. Okay. And the, the, the bullpen market is going to be even more of a free-for-all than usual. Yes, because seemingly, seemingly, seemingly every contending team Absolutely. pretty much needs to add a bullpen arm. Um, yep. Usually it's been it's teams that are kind of on the fringes or just you know, need to make a run and you know, think they have a chance, etc. But we're talking about elite teams that could use a bullpen arm. You know, the Braves added one this morning. With, yep. They got Johnson from uh, Colorado, and I think that's actually a good move for them. Uh, he's not going to close for them, but I mean, sure. they 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 definitely have had some problems in the seventh and eighth inning here lately, uh, as the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, show as we saw the Diamondbacks when they played last week. In fact, uh, so, yeah, but I just I I would unless you just don't think Jordan Lawler is going to figure this out, which it appears he really quite hasn't figured it out yet, at least at Double A this year. Yeah. Uh, and if I think if you're going to get a big time starter or a uh, you know so-called uh, I don't know if Lawler he's probably too big of a chip uh, to offer for a relief pitcher, but if you're going to get any kind of starting pitching uh, that is any good, uh, he's going to have to be in the trade. Okay, fair enough. As far as the Orioles are concerned, um, I'm pretty sure you weren't buying after last year, Bob. I wasn't uh, no. either. Um, I'm kind of shocked here. Um, they, as you said, do have the farm system to get anything they want. Uh, I think they should be in the market for a, a controllable starting pitcher. If I'm them, I'm not trading yeah. one of the top guys for a rental. And, and I think the guy that might align perfectly to them is Dylan Speed. That's true, even though I heard Jesse Rogers, who's really tuned into the uh, White Sox and the Cubs, okay. I saw him on, uh, on the uh, – on the uh, Alana Rizzo show this morning and Chris Russo, uh, he doesn't think that Cease is going to get traded. Now, pretty much, uh, other than Cease and Luis Robert, he seems to think that anybody in the White Sox might get traded. But but those are the two that he seemed to be pretty sure about. They'd have to get a huge haul, and he still has two more years of control, Cease. Yes, he does. So that'd be good for for the team that acquires him. Absolutely. Back to Baltimore, you know, I wasn't in on them at the end of last year. I just thought it was a you know, nice story, etc. Not only do they have good young players, but they seem to have done a really good job developing these young players, yes, even at the major league level. Uh, and I'm not completely turning my opinion around about Grayson Rodriguez, who should have never been in the major leagues to start this year. And he's now had two good starts since he's come back, and those two yep. starts were against the Dodgers and Tampa. Yep. Uh, Tampa, albeit not any right, good correct. offensively right now, uh, but you know, so maybe somebody's done something right with him too. So they're developing player these young. They've got a tremendous arsenal of young players. I actually think they're doing a much better job of developing their young players than say the Reds, who just look like a bunch of athletes that don't know what the hell they're doing half the time, That's except fair. for Matt McClain. Except for McClain. Fair assessment. The, um, one other thing, I wanted to talk uh, football for just a second. Um, fortunately, it seems he's going to be okay. Um, Naheem Hines, I'm speaking of. Um, but um, I heard a stat today that the, and I know you're a big special teams guy, so I wanted to bring this to your attention. Yeah. 
that when they acquired him, the Bills went from 25th in starting field position yeah. to first. Um, we well, had two touch. He had touchdowns, yeah. two touchdowns on I kickoff returns, right? The Patriots. Yeah, I don't remind me. First <laughs> I'm sorry. Back after after the Hamlin incident. Um, I, I am of the belief that the and I know this is blasphemous coming from me that the Jets are very overrated, and uh, I'm not sure that Buffalo is is not necessarily on on the downside of things. But um, considering the acquisition, which I think is is huge, of Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, can you make a case that if, and it's a tremendous if, Tua stays healthy, that the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC East? I can make that case. I think I've been trying to make that case for a while. Okay. Kayla, you want to give that give this a shot? Yeah, uh, I think we have kind of been making that case just because of the weapons that the uh, Dolphins have if Tua can stay healthy and then the serious commitment that they've made to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, everyone's going to have to to, to play their part and buy into what Fangio's trying to get them to do. Uh, but certainly here, if things get off to a slow start with, with Aaron Rodgers, the offensive line isn't able to hold up. Uh, for him and, and and that's the question mark around Aaron Rodgers right was last year just because of things kind of falling apart in Green Bay the, the, the offensive weapons weren't there for him it was just time to move on or is it that there is a physical decline so until kind of we sort of see how that gets addressed and how that's answered um, you know we're obviously just speculating here but I, I do think that the Dolphins could put themselves in in a pretty good position to be the best team in that division. I'll just add one other quick thing. Let me add one other quick thing to that. I'm I'm a little reluctant. In fact, I'm very re- reluctant to bet in on the the, the y'all Dolphins because you know, if Tua takes one hit, their season is Absolutely. over. No question. Um, lastly, Kayla, wanted your opinion on a very anticlimactic Open Championship, and that's a uh, a credit to Brian Harmon, um, but more so the angle of another year of a. Uh, non-major winning Rory McIlroy as he heads into Augusta um, for the next major championship. And if this is uh, mental versus physical, and if you think he finally gets one um, maybe next year or if, if this may never occur, I will hang up. I appreciate your guys' time as always, and have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So yeah, there's a lot there to unpack with Rory McIlroy because I I, I want to say when he gets to Augusta, it's clearly been mental with him because he takes himself out of contention like right in round one. Um, and that's just kind of been that missing piece for, for him uh, because you have the fact that he was winning and then you hit it left of left on 10. Nobody knew cabins existed over there. And it just kind of seems like such a uh, he thinks so much about his place in history and golf and and he just wants it so much. And it seems like at Augusta, the situation that have unfolded there have been very mental. Uh, now that we're approaching 10 years as we get around to the next major cycle of him since he last won a major, you could say and you could make a very specific argument about a lot of these things being mental. But again, uh, he was right there uh, in this Open Championship because as you pointed out, Matt, Brian Harmon, uh, he played great. He separated himself from the field. If you take away Brian Harmon, 
Foreman. Rory McIlroy's right in the mix of things here, as everyone else was. There was, you know, six guys tied, five, six guys tied for second. Then you had Rory McIlroy tied for sixth there. Uh, so he was right in the thick of things. He's putting himself in contention here to get it done. And I don't think that this was necessarily a collapse. I know you could look at maybe Saturday's round and say, Ooh, the putter didn't get it done. It seemed to let him down. Metrics-wise, it doesn't always match up to what we see with the putter. Uh, but, I, you know, it, I don't know that he's going. To, he He's putting himself in position because if you look at where he is finishing top 10-wise, top 20-wise in these majors, sometimes these are backdoor top 10s, backdoor top 20s. But regardless, he's still playing really good golf. Um, it's hard to say, though, that he's automatically going to get another major because another player you could maybe throw in there as being this this guy that was going to be a great young star. How many majors is he going to rattle off and then is stalled out? That's Jordan Spieth. He's also kind of done the same thing, uh, whereas Rory McIlroy has been way more consistent since his last major championship, as opposed to Jordan Spieth has been less consistent in those majors. So it's interesting. We'll get into a little bit more uh, about the Open Championship on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. HD Radio is here for KDOS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Points right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Download the KDOS 1060 app today. Register and follow along for your chance at entry for the $100 gift certificate brought to you by Superbook Sports. Uh, continuing the Open Championship conversation there, uh, Matt and Phoenix had alluded to at the anticlimactic. Sunday Sunday finish uh, with Brian Harmon, your winner. He basically ran away with this thing as he finished at 13 under par. Tom Kim, Sepp Straka, Jason Jay, John Rahm all finished in a tie for second at 7 under par. Rory McIlroy in a tie for 6 at 6 under par. But this is just how good Brian Harmon was with the flat stick. He needed just 106 putts for the week. That's incredible um, display of putting for the week. Obviously, his Friday round of 65 had kind of really catapulted him up into that position. He was able to to put it together on Saturday and Sunday as a player who, you know, doesn't have the pedigree as a, a John Rahm or a Rory McIlroy, doesn't have the PGA Tour wins to his name, been there, done that in a professional setting. You know, it's always interesting to see if he's going to be able to, you know, finish it off. And uh, there was a lot of, I would say, disrespect toward him from fans in the crowd, yelling different things to him. Clearly, they did not want Brian Harmon to win. And uh, there were some people saying he mentioned it in his post game that he didn't have the gumption to get it done. And he said that that really motivated him. And he put put uh, put his head down and was able to, to get the win. But this is another major stat that 
is really kind of impressive. It's also something that you look at when you're playing golf, and, and this speaks to the physical side of it, but also the mental side of it as to where you're at when you're playing the game of golf. When you make mistakes, how do you recover from it? How do you bounce back? And for Brian Harmon during the week, he only made six six bogeys, so he wasn't uh, making a ton of mistakes, but when he did, he followed it up with birdies on the very next hole four of those six times. So really, he was in a great mental place. He was really swinging well. He was making good decisions. Things weren't getting sped up for him. Uh, so he was he was playing some really good golf. Obviously, Sunday, we did have the heavy rain conditions uh, for the major championship, but that's to be expected when you play in some open championships. You never know what sort of weather you're going to get. Now, the Open Championship on the PGA Tour, there is always an opposite field event going on on the PGA Tour, and that was the Barracuda Championship. That was won by Akshay Batia, who won in a playoff over Patrick Rogers. I mention this because Brian Harmon plays golf left-handed. Akshay plays golf left-handed. And... Uh, that's just kind of funny to me that two left-handed golfers win professional golf tournaments on the exact same day because there aren't a whole lot of lefties that play golf. But uh, good for them to get their championships. And for Akshay, he goes ahead and earns his PGA Tour card with that victory. We're also getting down to crunch time with the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up uh, and adding an event this week. The 3M Championship, it's Justin Thomas as he's sitting outside of the top 70 right now. Also, uh, you're going to have questions really starting to ramp up about whether or not he's deserving of a Ryder Cup spot as the Ryder Cup is taking place in September. So we'll certainly be monitoring kind of where Justin Thomas's game is at and how he's able to perform in what is this week and maybe even for him next week to try to get himself into that top 70 right now. Our number two is coming up on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on kdus am 1060 online at kdus 1060.com and with the kdus 1060 app powered by superbook sports